The Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. The one-stop shop for all your building and DIY products. Mikey's nervous. <laughs> Don't be nervous, uh, mate. Um, I am nervous. Hello, everybody, by the way. We may as well make that a start. Uh, this is The Old Gold Club. Um, episode 6, uh, Carl Henry. And the reason I'm nervous is because... Chris Owellamo, who you've just heard, <laughs> and Carl Henry, used to be really good friends. We are very, very, very no, close. They used to very, be really good friends. Used to be, oh, I'll tell you what, why it's... Um, you've not spoke to each other for quite a while. I'll tell you exactly when. It was uh, April April 17th. <laughs> <laughs> um, why have you... Uh, do, do you want to wait and, and explain this when he's here? No, or do you want to... We'll, we'll get a wee bit of background before he walks in. The okay, door. Just on. make sure he doesn't walk in as we're, as we're doing it. So I was working Channel 5. As you as you do, I've got to kind of comment on on games, the, the video uh, footage that I that I see. I think it was against uh, Bol- Bolton against Barnsley. I think it was uh, Carl lets his man go. They can see the goal, important goal, lose the game. And I've commented. I've said, uh, "Oh, Carl will be disappointed there." Straight away, live TV. I'm my, my phone's buzzing in my pocket, and uh, the messages. I'll just get them up now. I'll just uh, Carl Henry will be disappointed. This is from Carl, by the way. F me, big guy. I was I was right as F. He was taller, and the ball flew straight into his head. And he meant tight as he was tight on his man. I also had two men, as one of our defenders didn't mark McBurney. Uh, I left my man to take McBurney last second. Don't need you exposing me at this stage of the season. Now, I understand his frustration there, but I'm I've got a job to do. Yeah, I only see five minutes of footage, uh, and you look at it and you think. Now it's not my, if 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 it's if his if he's tried to overcover for uh, a, a defender not taking his man, then try and do what you need to do and put your head in the ball. But I only see that little thirty seconds clip of that that moment, and I have to make a comment on it. So but, what did you reply? Uh, the reply to that was two weeks later, Chris Willemo new number. <laughs> so uh, it's gonna be interesting, but you know what? It's, and there's uh, been nothing since. We've not we've not we've not spoke since. But it's it's gonna be interesting. We've we've known each other for, you know, when I first signed at Stoke, Carl Henry was a, a a young lad coming through at Stoke. So this is it's it is it's it'll just be like old times. Didn't you used to room together? Sometimes? We room together at Stoke and at Wolves. So yes, it's uh, it's gonna be good. Oh, okay. Uh, Carl is gonna be here shortly. He's he's running a bit late. Um, before we kind of get before we kind of get to that, let's just get through. Um, Last week's episode, Scott Goldborn. Um, I really liked talking to Scott, you know. I think he's a fascinating he guy. Is. He's incredibly stylish. He's, you know, if you talk about people who are unique, he really fits that that bill. Well, that's obviously that's my first meeting, uh, talking to him. Uh, very, very switched on. You know, that's away from football as well. I think he's in that. He's in that moment now that he's he's probably looking what comes after football. Probably a little bit too early because I think he's still got a lot to to give in the game. He looked in fantastic shape. He's kept himself self right, but he's uh, he's got his, uh, his his property thing going in the background. Which fair play to him. I think it's it's important that a lot of these players now think about what comes after football because you could be in a situation like Scott, no fault of his own, no injury, uh, and 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 can't find a club. 
I mean, it's interesting, you know, when kind of people have different viewpoints on players, because these are some of the messages we had in. Clive Whittle said, I liked Scott and thought he looked like a cracking player at his best, but he seemed to have a very up and down time. Good luck to him for the rest of his career. Whereas Sam Lawley said, I cried when we lost him. And Jack Painter said, loved Goldborn when we had him. Shame about his injury, or I think we'd still have him now. It's kind of that. And Carl is going to be one of those people that, you know, Fans can sometimes have very differing views on very similar much, players. Very much, I think. Uh, obviously, Carl, Carl will be coming in, but he made he made the team tick. He broke up play. He got it down. He played, and I've got to say, one of the best finishers at the club. He, he would do shooting after everyday training, and one of the best finishers. And I just say, what, what, what's the point of you coming? Why are you here? You don't take a shot on a Saturday. So, and he, oh, but he was he was the best striker of the ball best passer of the ball you know this this is the guy that got into the England set up as well he had it all and I'm telling you something if he scored goals he'd, he's good enough to go and uh, play in the uh, as I say they say the top four now top six uh, Carl Henry and I've always said that he had absolutely everything about him best finisher just take a shot 20 yards out the ball would come to him he'd go wide strike the ball mate what are you doing? You know what I mean? And I, and I said it to I said it to his face, and I'll say it to his face when he comes in. But you'll probably have to be the Mikey's doing mediation today. <laughs> um, one of the things that Scott Goldborn talked about was the fabulous fall of Dicko, Afobi, Sacco, and Henry. Now a lot of the fans viewed that as a fabulous three. He threw in James Henry or Raji Van Lampara playing on the other side, and I kind of agree with him on that. They were a foursome, and it kind of got me thinking of how does it compare to. Jarvis, Kitely, Uwellamo and Ebanks Blake or should we not even make that comparison because one of the things that I've been asking supporters on social media is you know, can you compare eras and different teams and players from different times is that even a fair thing to even attempt to do? Uh, I, well, I think we, we always will compare and I remember the, the first uh, I came back uh, to the Molyneux a few months ago the first question you asked me on there was the O nine O nine team would how would they how would yeah, they yeah. how would they compete with this and you know what it'd probably be a good ten nine win going either way you know what I mean it was just one of them it's uh, uh, I guess different squads players they have different qualities you know and it's it's what kind of resonates with the, the the fan at that time you know I think uh, I think that the the O eight O nine season was it was unbelievable for the fans to watch the goals that we were out and scored but again I, I'm sitting looking at the 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 last season going up as, as champions of football that was played and just, just dominated matches with the ball but the goals that were scored as well so I think we will always compare but uh, I, I, I said I said the game the game has evolved so much and I had that chat with Kenny uh, and he says well wait a minute I says what about players in your time how would they fare and he says well wait a minute he says look at the look at the the, the 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 pitch that they play on now it's like a carpet look at the the ball the quality of the boots and in Kenny's day there were probably more technical players because they had to deal with the, the 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 terrible pitches and they still scored some some of the some played some amazing football and scored some amazing goals so I think we will always compare uh, eras but we're never gonna we're never gonna know are we <laughs> it's never gonna be well you see this is the fascinating thing is I, I did a charity event. Um, in the last couple of weeks where it was kind of celebrating 15 years since the 2003 promotion it had the manager Dave Jones Paul Butler the captain at the time and Colin Cameron and it was all for charity and stuff and it's raised some really good money and 
people should check it out because there's some interviews knocking around with Colin and yeah. stuff in, in the Express and Star. Um, and it kind of got me thinking because, you know, there is that element of for a large portion of supporters, the 2003 team are viewed in a different aspect to your promotion team and yet your promotion team won the title. But because, I don't know whether it's because you were top for, from the start and yeah. for so long and yeah you had a little dip in the middle of it but you were kind of almost like for this team as well for the for the Nuno team people had longer to come to terms and, and acceptance that they were going to get promoted whereas that team had a, a completely different thing where they capitulated the year before they weren't doing very well for the first half of the season and it took a playoff final to get promotion does that make sense so it's almost like it was more of a surprise so maybe people view it differently maybe that's the yeah reason. I think I think you're spot on I think if you were to ask me what's the best way to get promoted I'd say through the playoffs I think through the, even though at Wolves we're up as, as, as champions and you like you say you're up there the, 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 there's something about the playoffs that there's there's no games like it you know I've been very lucky I've went through the playoffs uh, on, on, on two occasions uh, and, and, and one promotion at the end of both of them but yeah, I understand that. I think the 2003, what happened the season before, uh, the, the late kind of kickstart and, and kicking on, yeah, that that, that, that that brings something to the fans that every game, well, can we, are we going to do it? Whereas it was all in our hands. We faltered a little bit through the, the Christmas period. I think one win in 13 it was. But we were like eight, eight or nine points clear before that. And I think we were at the end of it, we were joint, uh, joint top, still top, but on, on, uh, on uh, goal difference alone. Yeah. You know what I mean? So... Then we kick on again, so I think I think the, I think if, what you say the fans really enjoyed that season, but it, 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 different different moments, different times, different uh, different games will, will have different uh, meanings to different fans for very different uh, purposes, you know. And I feel that I guess we it was all in our hands to lose, whereas that 03 season they they kicked on. Yeah, and they probably they dug out something that maybe no one thought they could. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing and lots of people have been getting in contact with us thank you very much for all your messages oldgoldclubatwolves.co.uk is always the way to get in touch or at Wolves on social media Danny Rosamond said everything about the sport is different other than putting the ball in the net pitches, balls, rules, yeah. sports science however I believe players from the past could play now and players now could play then you become a product of your environment and wouldn't know any different Matt Flavel or Flavel uh, apologies if I said that wrong uh, you'll be lucky to catch a pro in a pub nowadays, but it was part of the training programme up until the mid-90s, probably still for looms. Uh, Peter Barker, players are a lot more fitter and physically stronger now. So personally, I would think the best team now would beat the best team 30 years ago. Ryan says style of play, rules, etc. change over the years. Some players' teams just fit into that specific era. They wouldn't necessarily fare well against modern systems and Kevin says Kevin Keegan once said that the players of the old Division 1 would probably last about 60 to 70 minutes against the players in the Premier League due to the advances in sports science yeah. and improved fitness of players in the modern game if you were put into a different era yeah. would you have been as successful as you were what do you think is the best era for you I've got to say probably we are where where I was, you know, I think uh, for me, yeah, I, I'm I am an old school 
school, old school centre forward. You know, you look at the likes of Troy Deeney now, he's probably, he's one of those old school strikers and he's doing well, you know, because of the physicality, what he brings, you know, and uh, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. It's like little things. I, I, had my, I had my first operation at 18 where they took away 50% of my cartilage. So I had two micro fractures, uh, basically where they drill the bone to bring in new bone at 22, 23. You're only supposed to have one. I got told I'd f- finish at 27, my career. I retired at 36, so with sports science, if I never had that, or it was later and I never had that operation, where would I have been? I was 13, 13.6 stone when I went to Denmark. I ripped my thigh muscle. One of my best mates was a fashion model in Milan, gave me his weights programme. I had eight weeks off, went back 17 and a half stone, muscle bound, galut. You know what I mean? I, I used to have a bit of pace. I remember the days, use the pace to get in behind, big man. I never heard that after the age of 20 years old because I, <laughs> I put four stone on. So then I then, my whole my whole game had to change because then I became a proper target man. I wasn't one of these play on the shoulder, use the pace to get in behind. So I had to then think, right, I, 15 stone was my weight and then probably I got down to 14 and a half, but 14 and a half to probably 15 stone too was my weight for the rest of my career then. But this is what I mean, like, would you not then have been almost better suited to a period in the 90s maybe or the 80s where the game was maybe a bit more physical and you would have gone in and yeah, been but better I, suited to that yeah I know I know what you're saying but the physicality of my game probably only came because the size that I put on uh, when I was uh, 20 years old just before Stoke City signed me whereas before that I was stick thin could run for fun I mean run pace and had that the, 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 the engine as well but that's just part it's part and parcel. You have to kind of, you have to kind of adapt to the game, and that's that's what I had to do. Okay, uh, Carl's just walked in. All right, mate. Carlito. Evening. You can come in. Evening. You're right, mate. Yeah, you can come in and join us when yeah, you want, yeah, yeah. mate. When you want. I've done the school run and everything this morning. Yeah, me too. Yeah, you're all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good, mate. Yeah. You're right, Carl. I'm good. Sorry, apologies. You're right. Um. So, uh, <laughs> um, do we need to? Clear some air. Oh, we've not, not spoke since the seventeenth of April, but uh, yeah, seventeenth of yeah. April was that the night? What you actually got a? What talk, you, you do understand that I'm just doing my job, don't you? It's like it's what I, I do understand the position that you're in. But do we? Do you know how much love I've got for you? Do you do? do you do know that, don't you? No. I tell you what, he's just spent the last ten minutes bigging you up, and he's even written down in a program note that you're the best player. You don't need to tell him that. He, he knows this. He knows what my thoughts are on, on him anyway. I'm just. Yeah, it's one of those things that I understand that. The, the position that he was in at Bolton, that there was pressure on them. They got out of it last game of the season, but he went in there and changed it. He knows my thoughts on him. But I'm doing my job. I, I see 30 seconds of a, a video clip. I've got to comment on it. Your man got away. It wasn't even your man. You're trying to overcover one of your defenders, yeah, man. I, only because I told you that. Yeah, I never knew it. Yeah, I'm so that, tell, me, tell me it before. Tell me it before I'm going to watch the clip. By the way, big man, before you watch your clip, I was overmarking. I was, oh, what do you want me to do? I, I get 30 seconds. I've got to comment on it. You know it's not a personal attack. There's been times out there when I'm having a stinker and you'll say, you'll say the right thing to me to get a reaction. I'm just commenting what I see. And I th- when I read the message, I'm sitting thinking, well, I'm doing live TV, I'm not going to reply to you now. And then I've just I've thought, I've read it, I thought, what, why are you getting annoyed? And I, I know you were down there at Bolton and you're up against it. But yeah, I'm not bringing attention to you. I just seen what I seen. And from the video, it looked like your man got away, but it wasn't even your man. You've, you're covering uh, McBurnley and the defender should be doing someone else. Listen, you, you know as well as I do that when, you, when you're a player, someone comment, commenting on a game, a commentator, pundit, 
has a lot of has, has the ability to to highlight you, expose you, or right. big you up, add a zero, put a zero to your to your price tag. What did you do at Bolton when you went in? Phil so, Parkinson was going to meet your captain after five weeks. I had the chat with him because you went in there and changed it yeah, all together. But so you know, you know, you know, you're, you're, you're worth. As a mate, when you're as a mate, when you're looking at a game, you, you're looking at a game, and you might you might be looking at thirty second clip, like you say. That's all that is. So you're looking at a thirty second clip, and I'm saying, don't expose your mates. Don't say. Oh, Carl Henry will be disappointed there. He should have done better. I'm saying at this, that stage of the season, I'm thinking, come on, mate. Who needs who, who needs enemies when you got mates when you got mates like Lumu who are going to try and expose you like that? And what what he didn't see was on the corner for the corner. We had uh, it was last minute, almost last minute, last couple of minutes. Yeah. I had two men. My my man ran near post. Somebody else should have been marking McBurney. Should have. I totally agree with you. And, and I was in a position where I just had to make a call. There's no time. It's one of those where I'm and trying you, to shout someone, but I had no time. I made, so I half went with my man, then ended up trying to back up to yeah. McBurney. It flew over my head. McBurney nodded it in. I so couldn't do, do anything about so it. Do you, you understand but, what I see there, but, don't but, you? But all the, yeah, of course I do, of course. But all, all, the, all, all the people watching on TV see is all, all they hear is, Carl Henry will be disappointed there. He should have done better. So whose fault was that goal? Carl, Carl Henry's fault? After and I'm that, saying, after, and, I, and as I'm friends, right. who's been in the game, right. You should know better. After that match, you should know better. Before. After that match, did you go in and hammer the defender? Um, did you even watch the goal? Did, of course, yeah. yeah did you know I was on Channel Five that night? Of course, I. Why would I, no. Did I you not know? know? No, <laughs> I got a message from someone saying, "Oh, Lumus, Lumus." I mean, a so message got, from somebody. Oh, and then yeah. I watched it. Then yeah. I watched it. I watched. Yeah, I watched was, it. Was a message from David Jones? No, no, no. Are you sure? No, no. <laughs> That's kind of. A, I don't know. I can't remember. Jonah. The message was from somebody saying, uh, "Yeah, Lumus came for you." But it wasn't. I've just commented. Yeah, no, no, I know that. I know. And that. I said, "Oh, Carl will be disappointed there." Yeah, because you know me. I know. I know. I'm just saying. We've not spoke for six months. But you know, sometimes, sometimes that's the difference. I think when you certainly when you when you get reaching 35, when you're reaching this age, that's the difference between you getting a move or not. Carl, you, that, that's you, so that's the difference. You were Some, somebody you were, saying it's cost. Oh, it's cost him my goal at the oh, end. Oh, that, everyone, that's a, everyone, that's everyone, it's cost to me. That's why ev- I'm sat here. That's why I'm sat. Here. <laughs> <laughs> everyone knows what you brought there, and uh, big factor to, to 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 Bolton staying up last season. So, yeah, we fist pump, mate. Come on, then. come on. There's the moment you can just about reach each other. Okay, so I, I do want to. I feel like I want to bring you both together because you were. Clearly, good mates. You roomed with him a couple of times, didn't you? Twice, yeah. Twice, Stoke and, and Wolves. Yeah, we've, we've we've always been tight. And up until that, up until that moment, we've been we've been we've been, we've been good mates. But uh, listen, I, I I know, and I've done a few things now on the radio myself. I understand you've got to you've got to be honest, and you've got to and, and in those situations, you've got to say what you see. You've, you've all got but, thirty seconds. Thirty but, seconds. Let him speak. The, but the, yeah, the difference is, I, I think when you when you've got you know when you've got old mates, teammates, roommates. Not just teammates, roommates. You got. I mean, you got to look for someone else to blame, and you. That's all. <laughs> Sometimes you got to say. I mean, when it, when it comes to my, when it's my turn, I'd, for sure I'll be. If that was David Jones, there, I'll be like. It wasn't nothing to do with David Jones. That's, what that's for sure. I don't know whose fault that was, but it wasn't David Jones. Let me just highlight that to everybody. But it's a difference. You know what I mean, good. Yeah. Can, we, can we move on? Are we settled? Yeah, yeah we're all good. Course, we're settled. Um, just as you were coming in, Carl, we were talking about um, the element of can you compare different eras and different teams? And uh, I, I think about you in this, in the element of the comparison sometimes people make between the 2009 team and the 2003 team, and even now, the 2018 team, and kind of, is it fair to, com- to make that comparison between different eras? Um, it's fair if people's views are fair, <laughs> I guess. Um, I- I've always felt like, as you know, that 
we never quite got the the credit we yeah. we deserved. Um, I think I think what what Mick did when I joined, um, it was a rebuild job, wasn't it? I think he, he came in on on the back of um, a, a, a squad who was a, a lot of big hitters, I'd say, that were here before that probably underperformed um, in the couple of years, certainly before Mick joined. Uh, when Glenn Hoddle was manager, they didn't quite reach the heights that maybe they were expected to, or they should have done. Um, so, I think what we, what Mick did during that time, and us as a squad, what we did, I thought was phenomenal, and he did it on a, a, a shoestring budget. Um, and what was, I guess, what was frustrating for me, and some of the other players that I speak to as well, I'm, I'm sure, and, and I'm sure Mick and TC, I, I don't know, it felt at the time like the 2003 team was more revered uh, than, than we were. It all, all we seemed to hear during that time was that 2003 team were phenomenal. Oh, the playoff final, it was unbelievable. They were brilliant. They were this, they were that. They, they obviously, and as, as players, you always respect um, previous players, yep. don't you? And, and, yep. and players who have done great things for the club, which some of them did. But that team, they finished fifth in the championship and they got relegated after one season from the Premier League. Yep. That was their, that's the bottom line. We won a championship and we stayed in the Premier League for three years and we were the most successful squad of players in the club's modern era. And so at that time, it felt like it was always about the 2003 team. That's all we kept hearing about. Fast forward five years, six years, seven years. It's now... (laughs) No one's talking about the 2009 team. Our team. No one's talking about our squad. It was we were. We were. You know, I've seen some of the things I've seen. I saw um, someone. I saw a, a Wolves posted um, on on Twitter uh, the goal against that we scored against Spurs. We so we we'd done the double over Spurs, and Jonah scored that that goal. Yeah. We had an 18, 18 or nineteen passes. Yeah. And we um, and finished. Jonah finished it beautifully. Across from Jarvo from the left, Jonah uh, tapped it in. Not tapped in, but eight yards out. A nice side foot finish and. Um, I saw some of the comments on there from from the Wolves fans, and it just makes you it makes your blood boil because you you I'm I'm seeing things like oh it was all two and three touch back then and uh, you know the difference now is it's all one touch two touch and and I'm just thinking I just thought to myself I'm, you know there's no it, and, I, and I know you look at individual comments it's maybe not the general consensus but it certainly felt like that for us and I guess as I, can you compare eras you probably can if you're going to be fair about it from from our point of view or from my point of view it seemed like during our era era they were talking about the previous era during the current era era they're not talking about our, our era at all it feels like we just didn't get the credit and even during the time I remember I was asked to open the um, the museum yeah over in the in the new stand <clears throat> and I went in there and saw I saw an absolute shrine of a wall on that 2003 team there was loads of history obviously a lovely museum and they did a great job but on our squad there was this poster that was like this uh, uh, probably half an A uh, probably an A5 poster on there with our squad in it that had won the championship and I just couldn't believe it I couldn't believe that the club at the time was not not even the club was recognising what we had done what Mick and TC had done it, it was phenomenal so it always to me felt is there an element of that though and uh, look I'm not defending the museum I've said on air when Looms came back at the end of last season to do commentaries with us I I said I think that 2019 doesn't get the credit it deserves is there an element that um, people view that period 
based not necessarily on the promotion, but what happened afterwards. And we will talk about that a little bit later on. Not necessarily view it on what happened beforehand, as you were just talking about when you came in, the famous Mick, I'm, I'm not, Mer, MM stands for Mick McCarthy, not Merlin the Magician. Everything that kind of built up to that kind of gets forgotten by the stuff afterwards. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. But I think even during that time, you know, even before the double dip, um, relegation even before that it we never got the credit we weren't getting the credit at the time and it was you know I just it always felt for me um, it always felt like we were always being compared to that 2003 team and, and they always came out on top so I hear what you're saying on that and I think that's a fair point um, that the last year certainly marred I think being relegated from the Premier League is no there's no shame in that it's a tough league isn't it and yeah. It's hard for the majority of teams unless you've got a huge, huge budget. But um, I think being relegated, the relegation from the championship was, it should never have happened with the squad we had. And I completely understand how that marred. And for me as well, it's it's marred a really good seven years for me, a good six years and any final year that's ended on a, on a sour note. Was that something that you, you were aware of when we were... Because I, I, I was, like you say, you come, you got a job to do. But was that something because you were local as well that you were very aware of? It was all 2003 team then. It never really seemed to affect you. i never seen you coming in because you are probably one of the most opinionated people I've ever <laughs> ever met. So it's not as... I know you've got a responsibility to the squad as captain, but as captain as well, you had to do appearances, you had to go and speak to people, but you're local as well. So i never seen that side. i never, I never... I'm I'm surprised sitting here now that you've got that view because I it never affected me. I never even thought about it. Yeah. So um, is that something that affected you in that in that season that we we got promoted then? Um, I w- I wouldn't say affected me, but it did. I it, it, I was aware of it, and and I think being local definitely was probably the reason for that. That I'm surrounded by Wolves fans, and I, I at the time I st- I'd still lived in Wolverhampton. Yeah. My family are Wolves fans. My friends are Wolves fans. So. It was all around me, and I all, and it wasn't something that I kind of it wasn't something that that I made up or obviously we've all we all perceive things differently. Mm. For me, it just it came, and I, and I, I sort of kept you know it, you you keep hearing about that team. Oh, that team were brilliant. That team were brilliant. And even when we then got to the Premier League, yeah, but that the best. Oh, that but that that playoff final was was phenomenal, I, and I, which is fine. And, and and like I say, you you have to respect what's happened previously and in that team and there were, there were some really good players who did a lot for the club so on one hand you respect them on the other hand there's, there comes a point where you just think hang on a minute why are we, we're not really getting much credit here and no. I, it felt to me it felt like we didn't get the credit through the period we certainly didn't get it afterwards um, that's my view on it right okay hold that thought we're going to talk a lot lot more i'm conscious that you've just come in and we've thrown you right into this so we're going to take a little break you can we'll get you a drink um if anyone wants to comment on anything we've talked about so far old gold club at wolves.co.uk if i can get that out is the way that you can always email us um loads to talk about it's going to be very interesting the show is coming next Wolverhampton Building Supplies is a one-stop shop for all your building and DIY products. Whether you're a professional builder or just looking to put a shelf up at home, they'll supply you with everything you need on time and at the best possible price, and they even do next-day delivery. Best of all, their prices include VAT, so there's no awkward surprises at the checkout. 
So contact their dedicated trade counter team either at their yard at 372 Bilston Road, Wolverhampton or online at wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk or just give them a call on 01902 500140. Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows alongside me, Chris Awellamo. Our guest this week made 272 appearances, scoring seven goals across a seven-year period, lifting the championship trophy in 2009, but also suffering back-to-back relegations. We are reuniting two-thirds of Wolves Debate Club. Carl Henry is here. Carl, brilliant to have you with us. Are you all right? Yeah, good. Yeah, good, thanks. Good to be here. We have already gotten into quite a lot of stuff, uh, which will be on our podcast element. So if you want to go and check that out already, uh, it'll be available iTunes, Spotify, and a lot of other places as well. A lot of interesting chat on it. Um, In honour of the Debate Club, which was a thing that it was you two and Dave Jones... Um, they used to do videos on the old Wolves player um, of sat around pulling out topics and chatting about them. So in honour of that, I thought we'd do things a bit differently. So in this Wolverhampton Building Supplies mug are a selection of topics and you're going to get to pick them out at random to decide where we start to talk. So away you go, Mr. Carl Henry. Pull out our first topic for our show. Okay, it's a good one. The madness of Charlton. Okay, I love this, right? So this is all to do, start off with, about that game that happened. It was March 2008. By this point, um, you'd been through some playoff heartbreak and then the team is building up to eventually what becomes the promotion-winning team. A ridiculous five-goal thriller of a game. Looms actually plays for Charlton in this match, so we'll get his view on it in a second. <laughs> but for you, and we'll talk about your goal in a minute, about that team and that era and where you were going at that time, what did you think? Um, it was, I think like you said maybe previously about the the expectation thing, I think that um, I think at the time Mick took over the club that had maybe underachieved um, under the previous manager and and the previous set of players. They were they were not um, they 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 hadn't produced maybe what they're expected to, and um, it was a rebuild job for Mick McCarthy. So he came in and brought in some fresh faces, signed some signed players that for for barely anything you know on a shoestring. He he put a squad together, and um, for me, I came in on on trial actually. Um, don't know if you know this, but I came in, uh, my agent brought a player to the club, Jay Bothroyd, um, who signed. Um, I was at Stoke at the time. I wanted to leave. I was under 24. I wasn't a really a regular and it got to the point where I wanted to leave and, and try and pursue something different, try and carve out my own career. And I'd actually de- agreed a deal at Queen's Park Rangers. Um, and then Mick came in and said he'd have a look at me. It was when, under the the rules you were allowed to go and, on trial at other clubs. Um, Stoke wouldn't release my registration. They didn't want me to leave, but um, it would have to go to a, tri- a tribunal if I left. And uh, anyway, I came here. Uh, Mick said we've got a game on the pitch next week um, or in a, on Saturday. So I think this was like the Thursday. Uh, he said come and, and um, come and play the game and um, and we'll go from there and get you in for a week of, of training. And um, anyway, I got I got off the phone. Um, 
rang I rang my old man and said, um, yeah, they've got a game on the pitch. I assumed it was a training game, 11 v 11 on the pitch. And uh, my old man said, it's Steve Ball's uh, like 20th year anniversary. It's, a, it's a, got to be a full house. And um, anyway, it was a huge game, full house here. And um, yeah, that, anyway, that was a phenomenal moment. I uh, I came in and he said, uh, Mick said, look, you'll, you'll play second half. You play 45 minutes. So um, I just thought, okay, well, I'll play the game and then probably train the rest of the week. And um, anyway, on, unfortunately for, for Mark Davis, Mark Davis was in the middle of the park in that game. After six, seven minutes, he got injured and that put him out for a couple of years. So it was a real bad injury for him. But it gave me an opportunity. Mick said, right, you're on. So I, I kind of didn't even have time to, to get too nervous about it, obviously being my hometown club. And, and you know the way um, it was I had so many people at the game as well um, anyway got on after six seven minutes and had the game of my life um, and he, he offered me a deal he offered me a deal after the after the game so obviously local local boy the, the quality you've got and I remember when I first came into Stoke and I seen that you were when you were training the quality that you had why why not Wolves why why did you start at Stoke with the, surely surely that opportunity would have would have came up with the quality that you've got um, I was approached by Wolves when I was, I think I was about 14, 13 or 14, 14 I think I was. Um, and I'd already signed for Stoke. I'd, I'd been there, I'd been at Stoke from the age of 11. I signed a five-year deal when I was 14 um, there. So they wanted to tie me up at the time. I was, thought it was brilliant. I realised now they wanted to tie me up and make sure that... I, I, <laughs> Not no one anyway. Yeah, no one, yeah. no one took me anywhere else. But um, yeah, I remember, I remember my parents being gutted actually when the Wolves scout did approach me and um, they were like oh oh, now we've um, that would have been brilliant but yeah it it, it was for me it was I was I was at Stoke and once I I was there it was that was a great place as well to come through obviously you were there for a a long time as well Um, but uh, yeah I had a a great time coming through Stoke really good um, academy and and a lot of good people there and a great place to learn your your trade family family is important to you because obviously I've known you for years you've said there that you had the QPR had offered you something. Obviously, then you get the chance to come here and trial. So when you say to the family, they they want there's only one option for them. Yeah, that, that plays a big part. Then doesn't it? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, yeah. When a, when when a club like Wolves says that they want you to come in and train, to come in and clean somebody's boots, any anything that can get you in the door, you you, you take that opportunity. And um, it was yeah, it was a phenomenal opportunity for me, and and one which I. I remember just going out there and just thinking, I mean, Villa, it was against Aston Villa. They were playing it like a friendly and I was playing, <laughs> it wasn't a friendly for me. I was, I was playing it like my life depended. I remember I smashed Gareth Barry a couple of times and I remember him just looking at me like, what are you doing? What are you doing, you idiot? What's, what's this? It's a, it's a friendly. Uh, but obviously I'm trying, I'm playing for my, my career and for my life. And it's, um, yeah, I ran around and just, smashed as many people as I could <laughs> played well had a, had a really good game and um, yeah as I say the rest is, is history Mick offered me a deal straight yeah. after the game and, and did that kind of sum up though that team that evolution of what Wolves became because it it was you know Glenn Hoddle had a certain philosophy and style and when he left some big names kind of came to the end of their Wolves time and speaking to a few fans about you and the feeling was that kind of you embodied that that change in spirit, the dynamism, the the effort and intensity that kind of grew from a, a group of young players that built through. Um, I, I'd like to think so. I mean, I can't I, I can't comment on that team. I, I know that team, the 
perception is that they underachieved. And of, of, of course, with the, the names they had, they were, everybody was expecting big things and they, it didn't quite happen. Um, for, for why that didn't happen, I don't know. Glenn Hoddle was a, he's a brilliant coach. I had him at QPR. Um, I was fortunate to have fortunate enough to have him at QPR for um, a, a couple of months and he was brilliant really 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 good coach so much knowledge on the game um, so I'm not sh- quite sure why it didn't happen but it was it was a new a new era um, for Wolves and, and, and Mick came in and I think the way Mick is I think he instilled those values didn't he on his on the team and we, we quickly you, you, you come in and you see somebody like Mick McCarthy who's got such a presence about him such a huge character and he has these values, old school values maybe, and a philosophy. He wants to win. He's a winner. He's competitive. He's aggressive. Um, he's direct. He tells you how it is. More often than not, I felt that he'd say to me, look, you're not, you're not, if you don't do these things, you're not going to play. A lot of managers won't say that to you. you know, they'll tell you what you want to hear. He doesn't tell you what you want to hear. He doesn't mince his words. And I think everybody um, bought into that. He signed young, hungry players, maybe who hadn't been there. A lot of us hadn't been to the Premier League, and um, we had a mixture of of people like Jody Craddock, Looms, who who had already earned their trade and could pass on their knowledge to the younger players. We had some a mixture of, of young, hungry players like myself, um, who were desperate to to achieve, desperate to get there, and and maybe and and some with a lot more ability than me, um, who. Could, we, had a, we had a really nice mix of, of, of players. Because that Charlton game is one where... I, I know you'd gone through the playoff heartbreak the year before. And in the, in the context of kind of the building up to it, that for me and a lot of people I've spoken to was kind of the game where people thought, yeah, there is, there is really something about this team. Because the way that game panned out, and obviously it's remembered for Sylvan's incredible goal, where, where he... Comes down the right hand side. Yeah. He's back there. He <laughs> well, I said we'll get to your goal I in a minute. The, I know the goal. Yeah, I know that. You know, because I love that goal especially because Looms falls over in the build-up to it and gets absolutely done by Jody Craddock. Oh, so that, that's Foster, why I remember Foster, that goal. Jody won on that that day. I've got to see. You talking about my goal or Sylvan's goal? Sylvan's goal. Oh. Talk about your goal because <laughs> I think I'm sure he came over the top of it from mine as well. And when the when the header Jody did, I think. But anyway, for your, that's the only header he won that day. Was Jody. it? Yeah. But he got knocked over for. for I don't think he got knocked over. He's just trying to get a reaction. Sylvan's goal. Sylvan's goal. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant goal. Yeah, and, and brilliant game. And that that tie. We were seventh. Were we seventh and eighth in the league? Yeah. Whoever won that game was going into the top six. Yeah. Weren't they? We had a crucial period of the season, so we knew that going into the game that this was a big. If we could win this game, put put us in the top six. Um, and there was still, pl- pl- I don't know, what six weeks of the season there was, left. Yeah, but so five, six weeks. Yeah, five games. On that, like that that squad. At that moment in time, okay, that that was a special match, and you thought, right, there's a real good chance. Now I remember. Do you feel that that squad was light, or was there was a genuine, a realistic view, thinking that we we are good enough to go up? Because I remember the preseason when I've I've come in and we've signed some players, and we went to I think it was Burton, and I remember we we absolutely just battered them. I mean, we bullied them, we footballed them to, to death, and Kites Michael Kitely said. We've got a real good chance. This is this is this is the two weeks into preseason. We we have everything now. We've basically got the quality and depth. So do you think even after the Charlton match, as amazing as that game was, maybe the the the, the squad was a little light? Um, I'd probably I'd probably say so. Um, I'd ag- I'd agree with you there, and and I think that 
I think each year Mick made better signings and and sort of signings of intent. Yeah, um, which you got to, you got to yeah. use them, yeah. People like yourself, Christoph Berrer, Stearman, David Jones, um, all really good players who came in and improved us. And um, Dave Edwards, Kevin Foley. Yeah, uh, yeah, they were. I mean, they were there. I think they they not come in the first. In the, they're at the, rat. The 2000, I'm sure maybe the January they're, after, they're certainly after you yeah. yeah not long not long after me but yeah he, he signed some really really good players and I yeah I'd agree I think we just got better and better and the belief became stronger and stronger um, that first the first year we weren't expected to do anything I think I remember sort of murmurs of if we can stay up this year then we'll be happy with that and um, and obviously we did we faster passed that um, getting into the playoffs and that that see I think the game that game the Charlton game um, I mean it was it was a moment for me for me it was the best moment of my career it's my high, career highlight that game um, it, just for the goal or f- the match the goal mixed celebration when we scored the goal I, I had a chance in the first half that a similar <laughs> chance the ball hit the post I followed I followed somebody shot in it hit the post and it just bounced out and came behind me. And I slid to try and, and I, it wasn't at the time. They were like, "Oh, I don't know." Some commentator who just, I was watching it back the other day. Yeah, yeah. they were like, he's, some, "I think the commentator says Carl Henry's going to wish the ground will swallow yeah, him up." Yeah, yeah, some, you which know, is harsh because exactly, that's a tough chance. It's exactly what he would have said if he's if got a dual. Luma, I knew the dual. I had the dual. Yeah. If that was Luma, he would have said exactly this. He would have said worse. <laughs> oh, oh, he won't believe it. He won't, even, he won't be able to look himself. He won't be able to look his kids in the eyes, eyes tonight. But um, it was actually a tough chance. So. But we, we played so well in that game and it was heartbreaking for us that Leroy Lita um, scored the equaliser because we'd played so well. Such a tough place to go as well at that time. They had a good team, Charlton. And uh, for them to equalise when they did in the 93rd minute, it was just heartbreaking for us because we felt we'd done enough to, to win the game. Um, so to go at the other end and, and score the winner in a fashion that we did was, um, yeah, it was, was that for the goal, the moment it put us in the top six, um, it was a huge moment um, for us, for me. And yeah, certainly okay. I look back on all we're gonna get, We're going to come to that goal in a minute. We've got to move on because we're going to fast run out of time. So draw us into the topic from our Wolverhampton Building Supplies mug. The hometown boy. The hometown boy. So a lot of this we've kind of covered from from the chat from beforehand of you kind of starting your career at Stoke and then joining Wolves one of the things that struck me though was it the pride that you must have had at captaining your hometown club how much did that mean to you um it, it meant it meant everything I think if you ask anybody who's ever had the armband whether it's their hometown club or not the armband does something to you doesn't it yes. and you sort of put your chest out and you walk out and you, I'm, I'm leading this club, I'm leading this this team and this group of players. And um, I, I remember when I first made me captain, I wasn't expecting it at all. And um, I was, I think I was maybe only 23, 24 at, at the time. And um, we had a few older players in the squad. And it, anyway, it was um, to, to, to captain a club, to captain any club or any team is is phenomenal it's 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 an honor to captain your hometown club um was yeah was something i'll never forget and but you came close to not just captaining wolves but potentially representing england for a period there's the famous 40 man provisional squad under fabio capello you wouldn't have yeah. just been the the top dog in wolverhampton you would have been an england international 
well it was um i know that's that was surreal um as well when i got the i got the email through um or the memo from from the club um that i was it was a time i was playing well my football was good at the time um and capello put me in the the 40 man provisional squad um, in a friendly against denmark um, although the memo says Enmark, they they missed the D off, so <laughs> which was disappointing. But anyway, um, we, uh... <laughs> were, were you were you genuinely surprised when the Mick gave you the captain's armband because you you are you've always been a leader, I think, in in your in your home life and your in the in the in the dressing room on the training. You you kind of lead by example. You've always been opinionated. You've always. You've always got the best out of the others. You said there like you put the armband on, it does make... I had the armband in your absence for the Blackpool game, and it does. I, I understand what you're saying there. But surely you, you wouldn't have been surprised, no matter that, that there was experienced players in the squad. Just going to take a captaincy out of the thing there. Okay. Uh, Looms is determined to come off this one. No Carry problem. on. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was... Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I, I know... I think when, you, when you're younger, um, at the time there was so much going on for me, I, I'd left, I'd left Stoke. I, that's all I'd known, um, really. And um, to come to Wolves, I, I was focusing on my performances and becoming a first-team player. There's, there's a, there's a huge jump from being a young academy player to being a first-team regular, um, and it's a huge, huge jump. And you see a lot of really, really good players, a lot of talented players. They can't make it, can they? They cannot make that jump from talented young player with a load of potential to a first-team player who's going to make a difference yeah. going to take responsibility and, and going to help the team win and that for me I'd, I'd had a period I'd, had, I'd played games at Stoke but I'd never been I'd never had that responsibility never people weren't expecting me to change the game at Stoke or weren't expecting me to to, to be somebody who was going to take responsibility and make sure and organise players around us it, it hadn't been that coming to Wolves at the time that I did it was a young squad um, and maybe my leadership qualities shone through um, in the in the environment that I was in. Um, so to, to get the arm, but it wasn't something I was expecting. When I did, it was yeah, it, it was a phenomenal experience and and a, and a great honour, one I look back on fondly. I just think it's uh, with the, with the captaincy as well. You know, I think we all we all hold Mick in in, in high regard as well. But how I guess. That the captain's armband was taken off you as well. I think we've got to touch on that. Uh, now we understand football when a manager's signing a player, the player has a bit of power. It's definitely something that I believe Rogers definitely said. If I'm coming, this needs to happen, and Mick should have that chat with you. Can you tell us more about that situation? Because I know me, and I wasn't at the club, but we had that conversation on on the phone at that time, and that was something that it cut you pretty deep, didn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, it did. Losing losing the armband. At- I'd, I'd been captain for a number of years. Um, Good captain as well. Remember what you've done. What, yeah, I'd like to think so, but uh, <laughs> yeah, people might think. I, I, yeah, for, for me, I was always a captain for the. I felt like I, I always tried to represent the players. I wasn't maybe necessarily the best manager's captain, um, and I think I can look back now and and un- understand that. And Mick would often say to me, you know, things like, "You, you need to work with me a bit more," um, as opposed to always working against me and I always I always felt like I needed to represent the players and if there were things wrong in the dressing room I'd go up and say to Mick look gaffer this is happening this is happening we need to we need to address this if this is not right I, I would 
so I'm sure at times I'll be a pain in the backside and I've, <laughs> I've, I've got yeah no doubt that several of my managers uh, will probably say the same that I'm a pain in the backside but it comes from a good place it comes from me being a winner I want things to be to be mm. done correctly and um, so Mick's reasoning for that with me whether it was the case that it was it was part of Roger's contract or, I, I don't know I don't know that it was part of his deal or not but Mick had said to me look I've said to you for, on a number of occasions I need you to be work with me um, as opposed to against me and I don't feel you are and, and that's the reason for it so what was the reaction to it all because there was a perception for those of us who weren't in the dressing room and weren't involved in it that it caused a big split and that that was part of the issue that then led to what happened after that um I don't, I don't, I don't know necessarily. A lot, a lot of the players said to me that they felt that was really harsh, and that I had been a good, a, a good leader. Yeah. Obviously, certain players will say that to you anyway. You know, I'd, I'd, whether players felt that or not, I, I don't necessarily know. I think players felt that I had been, I had been a good captain for them, um, and it's always difficult when you, when you bring somebody in, anybody, anybody at all, even the best character in the world, you bring them in and make them captain. It's really tough because they've not been there. They don't know how things work. They don't know how the club works. Um, I learned a lot from that. If I ever became manager, I would ne- something I'd never do. I think I don't think I'd ever make bring somebody in and make them captain instantly. I'm sure Mick feels the same. You know, I don't know whether he'd, he'd do it again. I'm sure he feels. I've, you know, I've since spoken to Mick. I, I think he maybe feels the same. And that and that definitely was a, a change um, for us all that we all had to deal with. And it didn't end up working out. But I understand Mick's reasons for it, and um, I certainly learned a lot about myself and, and, and understood, and, and it certainly made me think differently as well to, towards my behaviour with managers and, and just understanding where, they, where they're coming from. You know, as a player, you're, only focused, you're focusing on you and you're focusing on your team. You want to win games. Yep. Even like you said about the, you as, as a pundit, You've got your job to do as a pundit. You, you've got, you know, I've done some radio work now. You got, and I'm, I'm that focused on what I've got to do. You're not thinking about the players. You're not worried about them. You're just focused on your job. And, and Mick's the same. Mick's got his job to do as a player. I'm not looking at what he's got going on. And I think as you get a bit older, you, you start to understand that. And well, the, the spin of that then, because you were captain, you really represented the players, and you done that job very well. That gets taken off you. Did that? Affect, what what changed for you then, as a as a pro coming in? I know you've still got your job to do. Does that that, that must that must be difficult? Uh, yeah, it hurt. It, it 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 hurt to lose to lose the armband. Hurt, but um, I got on with it. I, I got on with it. I think I'm, I'm a good pro. Um, I came in, trained hard. I, I I love training. I always I've always worked hard. Always trained hard, mm. and um, I think I ended up having probably one of my better seasons, possibly my best season for Wolves actually. Um, that year, although we got relegated from the Premier League, I, I, I had a really good season on a personal note. Um, and um, I, yeah, the, the, the captaincy thing, I sort of blocked it out and got on with my job. Because do you feel like it con- did it contribute to how things started to happen? That maybe the the group wasn't as united as maybe you'd been beforehand. Because I say when it came to the period just after you left and the whole Kenny came in and created that bomb squad everyone in that bomb squad was perceived to be people involved that dated back to the whole Henry Johnson captaincy issue um, 
I, I, maybe that was the way it was perceived from my point of view. I think the club wanted to go in a, a new direction and there were certain players that they wanted at the club. Some, I think, was for financial reasons. Some maybe, you know, I, I'm an influential character. I'm, I try and organise people. I talk to players. I care about the game, about training and... Um, for whatever reason, Wolves didn't want me at that time. Um, and they wanted to get rid of us and they made life really difficult. And it, that was a period that was, you know, that was for me to have been captain and been at the club, not just for me, but a few of us, Wardy as well, uh, who'd been there for a, a decent amount of time. Um, Kevin Doyle, who else? Was Kevin Foley in that group? I it think, was, yeah, I think Kevin was, Foley yeah. was in the group. So I th- there was some good lads in that group and certainly to to be in the bomb squad at the time. I tell you what was dis- we, Kenny Jackett came in on on his first day. We had a, um, a meeting as a group, and we had a, a meeting. Then he said at the end of his meeting, it was a ten minute meeting. He said, "Right, can I speak to these six players?" I was one of them. Me, Roger Johnson, um, Jamie O'Hara, Stephen Ward, Kevin Foley, Kevin Doyle, um, and he spoke to each one of us and said, "You're not in my plans. Um, you need to find a club." Um, and that was it there was five minutes that was it so that's I, I as disappointing as that was I kind of understood it the club wanted to go we'd had a, a, a horrible season before it was yeah it was a, a terrible season um, to, to be relegated with the squad we had um, should never have happened I've got my views on why that happened how that happened but well we're going to get to that we'll get to that yeah no problem <laughs> but um the, when Kenny came in and said that was okay, I, I, was, I was gutted. I was gutted. I think a few of us were gutted. Jamie and, and Roger, they hadn't been at the club as long, and whether they were as good, I, I don't know. But certainly myself, Wardy, Kev, Doyle, we, we wanted to be at the club. We didn't want to leave. Um, and we wanted to, or I think we wanted to put things right as well. Yeah, an opportunity to put things right. But anyway, that was how it was. Um, we we trained, we we trained, we all worked hard, we all carried on training, and and we kind of said to ourselves as well, look, let's just make sure we're not messing around. Everybody come in, train hard, and and because you know when you're in these situations, what happens? Managers, clubs can try and make it difficult for you. Um, so we we trained. Um, even you know Roger, to his credit, trained hard, worked hard. Didn't he didn't he didn't give the manager any opportunity to to say he'd been a bad egg. Nobody was was, was being bad eggs. And I think after a couple of weeks of training, I came in one day and uh, the kit man Mort said, uh, he said, oh, he said you're not getting changed in there now. You're getting changed in you're down the, in the kids' changing room. Uh, so I said, what? What do, you, what do you mean? So I walked into the changing room. Bear in mind, I've been there for seven years. I had the same spot for seven years, mm. um, and my stuff had been somebody had been in my locker packed up all my stuff and put it in a box under a table and I just felt that I found that so disrespectful yep. um, just really really poor um, and to all, and all the other lads had already gone down there they'd just gone and uh, Mort said yeah the manager said he wants you to train uh, wants you to get changed down there in the kids changing room so I just said well I just was and they put a young lad in my place as well they put a young lad in my spot there were loads of empty spaces and they'd put a young lad in my spot. So I'd, I moved, I think it might have been Jamie Record, who was a good lad. I moved Jamie Record. I just said, look, Jamie, can I have my spot back? Look, you, you know, nothing against you. Can you just move mm. over there? And I put my stuff back in my locker and I just said, if Kenny wants to come down and move me, uh, physically move me himself, then he can do, um, which he never did. But um, just that kind of thing. I think when you've been at a club for so long and 
a, a year before when we, we got relegated from the Premier League Norwich came in for me uh, Chris Hughton wanted to sign me they just got promoted to the Premier League um, and obviously that was an attractive move uh, Wolves wanted me to stay didn't want me to leave I ended up signing a, a four year deal here 12 months later my, my stuff's in a in a box yes. under the table and that was you know a re- yeah, really disappointing Listen, we're going to talk a load more about all this on the podcast extra to follow. Um, I just want to finish our Facebook show with something that we call the rundown. So it's fairly quick fire. We've got some different questions for you to start off with. Probably the toughest one people tend to get asked. The best player that you played with at Wolves? I would say David Jones. Yeah, okay. I agree with that. Uh, what's training at the club? Ebanks Blake. <laughs> no doubt, Ebanks Blake. The biggest moaner? Other than myself? Yeah. Um, Honestly. On the pitch? Pitch or around Jones. the training ground? Jones. David Jones. Who's got the best and worst dress sense when you're at Wolves? Worst dress sense, Stephen Hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Hunt. Um, and the best... Lumen, what are you looking at me with those puppy dog, <laughs> puppy dog eyes? Take those puppy dog eyes somewhere else for you. Um, I'd go um, Stearman, Richard Stearman. Yeah, got a bit, yeah. Yeah, got a bit. Uh, who was the funniest player you played with? Marcus Hall. Marcus Hall at, uh, at Stoke City. He was the left back. At Wolves. Uh, at Wolves. <laughs> he didn't say at Wolves. He said, he said, he said, so, Buddy Wolves podcast, mate. I thought he was ever, was ever in, my, in my career. <laughs> Um, <laughs> for this playoff labour that Wolves um, oh god you're killing me you've got to give me the heads up on these um, this is why it's good because you've a got a player he was funny he was funny Looms help me out I put, I put Stacky in when Stacky came in he was an absolute lunatic wasn't he but yeah, funny if you liked being tucked up um, <laughs> being tucked up every game you played but no um, he was funny he was funny Oh, I think Kevin Foley had his to... had his way about him, but there's for very different reasons. There's, there's a few. Yeah, Foles, Kev Foley. Okay. okay. Um, final one, just before we wrap up our Facebook show, and we'll do the rest on our podcast extra. Um, what was your proudest moment at Wolves? I think the promotion has to be winning the championship and getting to lift the trophy. I guess. Yeah, yeah, getting to lift the trophy with the team. Um, we yeah. Getting to lift the trophy, we, we we worked so hard for that, and to win the championship, as you know, is is not not easy. Um, I think that that moment it was just yeah was phenomenal. Certainly, my proudest. The Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. For the best price locally, head to WolverhamptonBuildingSupplies.co.uk. So that was the show. On with the podcast. Um, you weren't very quick on your. Quick fire there. No, a heads up would have been nice. <laughs> <laughs> See, this Marcus is... Hall, by the way, is a, he's a hell of a funny guy. If you ever get to meet him, Marcus Hall. Um, what other ones have we missed out there? Uh, best manager you worked for? Mick. It kind of has to be Mick, doesn't it, really? Mick. But Tony Pulis is also phenomenal as well. He's left us with him. It's uh, what was the best goal you scored or saw, but you've both, both touched on that, haven't we, surely? Yeah, he wasn't necessarily the. Um, Technically, the best goal, but oh. <laughs> in terms of importance, because uh, before you came in, he, Looms was saying that you were one of the best finishers 
at the club. I, I, I said to you every day, I don't, I don't know why you come. Why, why do you do this on training every day? You don't, you don't take a shot on a Saturday. That's only, do you not, do you not think? Do you not, not think? Talented. It's when you think about it. If you brought goals to your game that you, you'd have, you'd have played. Or say they say the top four, top six, but you'd have played right at the top. If you, if that was the only thing that was missing, in my opinion, I've said that time and time again. I think it was a disgrace that you came and done finishing every day. <laughs> I think, um, I think it was just a mental, a mental thing rather than a, a physical thing. I was, I was certainly able to to score goals, or, or I, I, yeah, I have. I think I've, I have the ability to to strike a ball well, but. I think my mentality has always been one of oh, is there a safer option? I don't want to give the ball away. I was sort of brought up in the fashion of not give my, my UT manager used to drill it into me. Don't give the ball away. Don't give the ball away. There, there are plenty of other players who will be tricky and will take those risks and but you need players in the team who are gonna keep the ball, win the ball back, keep it and I guess it that was sort of my overriding feeling whenever I came to shoot would be is there a safer option? <laughs> yeah. Can I possibly find someone a bit further back? Yeah, um, yeah. Because that is kind of a you know. Look, we're we're perfectly honest on this thing, and you know, I've spoken to you a lot of times. Fans would look at you and say that it's something they noticed about you that you would play that pass rather than take the adventurous option. Is that because of your discipline, effectively, that you had a role and you stuck to that role and you did your role? for the benefit of other people in the team. We were talking about leadership beforehand. But on the back of that, is that a negative as well? Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, for me, it was how, how I see the It's the way I see the game. Um, and, of course, Mick would say to me, look, you stay there. You, you, know, you look at Manchester City, they don't work without Fernandinho. Yeah. Um, Leicester didn't work without Kante and Makalalia for all those years. And you, I'm not saying comparing myself necessarily to those players per se but in terms of the position you need somebody in your team who's going to be responsible and and quite often I mean I see it at every level at every level I've been at you see there's a there's a, a lack of tactical nous I'd probably say 80% of footballers don't understand the finer tactics of the game and and the finer detail and some players do and on a, on, on a pitch, you look at it, when, when everyone, when we're attacking down the left-hand side and um, everybody's looking at the ball, the left winger may have the ball. What most players do is they walk towards the ball. They'll, they'll look at that player on the ball and they'll just see what's going on. And their striker might be behind them and they're not looking at the striker. The midfielder might, the, the number 10 might be off the back of the midfielder. He's not looking at him. I would always make, make it my job to, to make sure we're concentrating when we don't have the ball. That's where I come alive and... While we're attacking, or maybe we're we're attacking, um, I'm not involved in play. I'm I'm organising. I'm making sure that when that ball does get cleared, we're going to get there first. And that takes people don't see that. You don't see that you on the pitch. Yeah. You're, fan, you're watching the game. You're watching the ball. You know, when when the ball's in the corner, nobody's watching what our centre halves and what our centre midfielders doing. But on the pitch, that's where you earn your money. That's where I felt I earned my money, and and that's what I brought to the table. I'd be organised and disciplined. Um, and when I had the ball, I knew that my job was to find players who were better than me technically who could go and score goals go and make goals and certainly at times I probably um, could have done more and I'm, and I'm you know you're not the first people to tell me why don't you shoot more often And but it's just a men- been a mental thing for me it's always been in, in my makeup to win a ball back give it to somebody 
like yourself who can who's capable of scoring goals and who it doesn't matter if you give the ball away because your job is not to keep the ball necessarily your job is to score goals yeah did that did that make your blood boil that maybe you were undervalued because you knew exactly your worth you knew exactly what you brought you knew exactly the organization that you brought that that must have that must have kind of rubbed you up the wrong way surely um a, a little bit maybe initially um but i i, I you get older and you, and you learn to to deal with that and and I, I as long as my teammates appreciated what I I brought to the yeah. table and now even, as long as my teammates appreciate it and the manager understands it then um and appreciates it then I'm I'm okay with that and I think I see a lot of players getting stick now people like Jordan Henderson and players who who play the similar role to me I see them get a lot of stick and I think there's definitely a lack of understanding um from a lot of fans as to what players maybe like me like Jordan Henderson what they bring to the table players who play with them will say they've mm. he's for me he's a good player I know Eric Dye with it those types of, of players who just keep the ball they keep it simple they make it look so so simple Michael Carrick Michael I remember I was called up for the under 21s a couple of times and I played with Michael Carrick and he's probably the best player I think I've played with trained with ever he was just unbelievable just technically brilliant and he, he would just sit in that position that same position but what he did on the ball he made it just look so easy and I saw him getting stick at Manchester United for a long period of time he was getting a, a, a lot of stick um, and it just seems to be I think a position that is maybe not understood is a, bit, a little bit misunderstood I think with, with football fans I think there is a, an element though that it, it changes I think when you're at a club people have certain views of you and I think the longer you're not at the club because when we announced that you were going to be on this podcast there was a couple of comments as you would imagine you're on social media you see it but actually it was interesting how many people kind of came back and gave that opposite and and talked you up and in a way that maybe they didn't do when you were at the club do you know what I mean yeah yeah no no I I agree Listen, I don't want to say all fans don't know what they're in, in answer to your, your first question did it there, there was that element of maybe people not understanding maybe my position or not appreciating what not not necessarily appreciating what I appreciating what I bring to the table but there are certainly plenty of fans who have given me a lot of support over the years and I, and that is hugely appreciated and um there are you know for every for every supporter who criticizes maybe the 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 um the squad of our era there are another 20 who actually really appreciated what we did and, and what we brought to the table so um yeah no I, I i i agree with that certainly when you're when you're at the team so it's, it's funny not just when you leave a club but it's something that you know i speak to a lot of players um who have played a lot of games in their career and you know this that when quite often you put yourself i remember here through the tough times you, there are a lot of players that go who go missing they don't want it when, when things get tough certain players are in the treatment room it happens at every every club I've been at. Mm-hmm. It, it things get a little bit tough. Certain players find they've got a little bit of a a, a dodgy ankle, or they've hurt their their knee, and then and they're, they're away for a couple of weeks till things get better again. And then they come out, and they always seem to those players whilst they're out, you know, they get that little bit more love. Oh, we're missing him. They're not in a firing line. And I remember players like Stephen Ward here. Stephen Ward, I remember him getting a bit of stick here. Andy Keogh. Stephen Ward would play through every every injury he had. Yeah. He'd be, yeah. His shoulder would be strapped up, his hip would be strapped up, his knee would be strapped up. And you've got players like that who will put themselves out there to be out, to put yourself out there on that stage 
which is a beautiful stage um, to put yourself out there week in week out and and, and be under fire and get get slaughtered um, get stick it's 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 not nice it, it isn't nice and the easy thing to do is to say I'm injured I'm going to go in the treatment room for a couple of weeks and take myself out the firing line but the fans don't see that they what they do is they continue to give the player who's out there every week stick playing through all kinds of illnesses and injuries he gets the stick the player who's in the treatment room is oh we're missing you we're missing you be good when you well, how long you want to be oh, I'll be two or three weeks they get the love and, and so it it's it happens even during the season but I certainly understand it when you leave yeah. the club well because it I mean I was looking back on on some of the stats from the second you know the, the back-to-back relegation and actually I forget just how many games that you played in there you didn't shy away from any of that and I was telling Looms a story before you came in of um, Burnley away you probably don't remember this um, it was around about the October November time and it was a 2-0 defeat and it was it was a, not a great game to watch and the tempo was really slow and you came out to do the post-match afterwards you took the responsibility as captain and I was working for local radio at the time and we went into a little room just underneath the stand because it was pouring down with rain and to this day it is probably the most honest and ultimately surprising interview I think I've ever done in a post-match because you came out and you laid it out that the way you were playing you felt wasn't the right way for a team to play in the championship that was evident we had Terry Connor on this program on this show a couple of weeks back and he said a similar element that actually backs it up that the way Stoller was trying to get that team to play wasn't going to work TC clearly felt it and he couldn't stick around because of it and you clearly felt it at the time because that interview has always stood out to me um yeah I think the Stoller the, the way Stoller approached the game his philosophy um was that of an inferior team and I think he I think actually if we were in the Premier League he probably he might have, I think he would have done okay when you're in the Premier League and, and you you're ex, you, you're going to you're going to places and you're expected to lose really and you, you, you you'll take a draw when you're when you're the inferior team you set up a certain way you sit back you soak up the pressure you hit teams on the break that's the way Stoller wanted to play and that's fine in the Premier League the Championship's very different um, and I think for me, for, uh, you look at clubs now, lots of lots of clubs, and I, I know I said this at the time, I did an interview when we got relegated about a sort of five-year plan, but clubs have generally now, they have an identity. Wolves have an identity now. It's clear for all they have an identity. They're going to play no matter what. No matter who they're playing, they've got that identity. And if you if they get rid of the manager now and bring in... Sean Dyche, who's a very good manager, it's going to be completely different. It, the philosophy goes out the window. And I guess that's what it felt like at the time. We, we'd had Mick for such a long time. For, for seven years, you've got Mick McCarthy and, and the way it was ingrained in us to play a certain way. Um, and, and I felt that it was uh, the way Mick wanted to uh, play football. He wanted to win. First and foremost, you, you touched on it earlier about managers who just want to play. Certain managers want to play. They, Eddie Howe, he'll play no matter what they're doing. The manager here now, he, he wants to play. No matter, and that's fine if that's the plan. But that takes time. 
I don't think you can... Mm. If you decide to go in a completely different direction and give the manager six months, it's just... I think it just spells trouble. I think at the time, if the club wanted to go down that route, you know what, we're going to change our philosophy. We're going to become a football playing team. It might take us five years, three years, four years, but that's what we're going to do. I think you then need to give Stoller that amount of time and accept that it's not going to happen overnight. It, it's not going to work in the first season. See, I, 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 can, I, can, I, dis, I, dis, I disagree with what you're saying, really. I think, I think Stoller coming in, I think he's got to respect the the environment that he's come into. You said earlier about uh, footballers, probably 80%, I think you're bang on there, that don't really go into the depth of knowing what the game's all about. He's inherited a fantastic dressing room. Players with experience that have great knowledge of the game. And what I don't what I don't get is that he's not tapped into that as as a manager. He, to, he's, he's finding out what the championship's all about on the job. He's got players that have been there, done it, experienced success at that level. How, how was it for you as a player not agreeing with what the manager's telling you? This is, and it's not only Stoll, I think, uh, I think we, we had the chat about, I guess, Dean Saunders, who again, he, he, he changed, he changed up ideals all the time because he never really had an identity for himself or he wanted his team to play. But Stoller's come in, he's, he might be a good, great manager, he's had an identity, but it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit, but still, he's given information to players that have been there, done it, experienced success, that are thinking, this is this this is this isn't going to work because it is. It was very evident it never worked. But surely in that position, you knew that it wasn't going to work. The information. Yeah, it was really frustrating because for me, there's a formula in the championship. I think in the football league, does it work in the Premier League? I think it works to a point. Yeah. But I think if you're organised, if you're if you're organised, if you've got a hard working team. Um, and obviously you've got a few players who can put the ball capable of putting the ball in the back of the net I think that's a, a recipe to get you out of the, the championship it's a recipe for success in, in the League 2 League 1 the championship mm-hmm. Mick McCarthy knows that Tony Pulis knows that Neil Warnock know that and I think that was the issue was that we knew what worked we'd already been in the championship most of us have played most of our careers in the championship so we knew that for example you a, a club comes to Molyneux we're one of the favourites to go up I remember I think Derby County came here and they were down the bottom somewhere in the bottom three or four at the time they weren't the club that they are now they weren't the team that they are now and um, we sat back at home we sat back for for half I think half a game first half we, we, we came in at half time we sat back sat off them let them play they started getting confidence they popping the ball around yeah. that, that, and the crowd were booing us fans were, were booing us and we got in at half time and Stoller was happy. He was he was delighted with the fact that they hadn't created much. And that was really difficult. It was very difficult to to take and accept that we're now not the team who's going and pressing everybody. And and we knew it worked because in 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 this league, outside the Premier League, when you go and put people under pressure, you're asking them a question. Can you play under our fero- ferocious pressure? Yeah. You come to Molyneux, we're gonna put you under so much pressure that you're either gonna wilt or you're gonna pop it round us and we'll take our hat off to you. And that was the way we played for, for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it worked. And I think our problem, our issue in the Premier League was that we did that and they were good enough and we had to take out of too many times too because they were yeah. just, they're such the quality they had to play under pressure was of another level. In the Championship, that's not the case. There might be two or three teams who are, who are capable of playing under that pressure. Um, so to all of a sudden give everybody the respect, give everybody respect at our home ground 
and we could hear the fans saying, come on, like, yeah, get to the ball, get go and do something, press them. And we sat back, was very, was frustrating. But on the other side of that, that's, that's Stoller's philosophy. So I look back on it now and I, I, I think that was his way. They knew when they appointed him, that was his way. Mm. If they, if, and if they want to completely change the philosophy of the club, of the football club, then it takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. And they, therefore, that's what I'm saying. They should give him the time. If he's, he's not a manager who's going to adapt and change. And, and I, I agree with you that if I ever became a manager, first and foremost, I'd want to win games yeah. and buy myself the time to then... Totally agree. Yeah, yeah. to instill my philosophy. Because it looms knows, because we were talking about this earlier, kind of he and I differ somewhat on this and he had a little little pop of me because I was slightly defending Stoddard Solbacken beforehand because from from the view of you know I was in the reporter's role at that point and the way I looked at it at the time was almost like and the comparison to what happened you know in the last year or so at the club that Stoddard didn't really get the huge amount of backing to go and completely change maybe the numbers around in the team that he needed to to play the one way he wanted to and even the ones he did bring in didn't necessarily settle and some got injured, Razak Bukhari and Peshko and yeah. and Sigi and all these kind of things. And amongst all of that, in the perfect storm that was around the football club at the time, it kind of just all contributed to it not being a success. Um I mean whether he didn't get the back in financially, I don't know. He certainly he, he brought in uh, uh, I don't know, six or seven players, did he? Um it wasn't a hit not comp- you know, compared to maybe what Nuno was allowed to do in that wholesale change yeah. from where it was and as I say the players that came in weren't necessarily available to play I was telling the boys beforehand it was Bakari. Bakari got injured after 15 minutes in that game Pesco came in Pesco suddenly wasn't available to play Jermaine Pennant came in on loan yeah it was so yeah I, I'd, I'd agree with that to a point um, but uh, yeah I, I, I mean I agree with the fact that they've not backed him they've clearly not backed him because they've got rid of him after six months and if your plan is to completely change the direction, I'm, I'm not sure that they felt they were going to change the direction. I think it might have been, oh, well, let's let's try this and let's get back up after a year or we'll see where we yeah. finish. And as I say, I think if you're going to go in a different direction, you need to say, look, we're going to let's let's give him five years. We got, or whether it's him or we're going to give that philosophy five years, that's a route we're going to go down. Dean Saunders... I know what you're saying about Dean Saunders in terms of having he he, he had lots of different ideas, he'd, which was sometimes frustrating. He'd come in and he'd play a, 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 we'd, we'd be playing a certain way, then he'd watch a game, and then he'd come in and the next day it would be right. We're going to try and try this. However, Dean, I think Dean's values are more like mixed, aren't they? They're, if Dean had come in for me straight after Mick McCarthy, we wouldn't have been relegated. We wouldn't have been relegated. What then? What it led to was when Stoller left. Was you've got Stoller's players who have come in. And it, there was a difference in, in them. People like Tongo uh, Dumbia, good player, good player, ill-disciplined, not necessarily a championship player, possibly more suited to the Premier League. Again, there's a, diff, there's a way to get out of the championship. There's a way to play in the championship. And there's, I say there's a way. We had a way. We had a way of playing. Um, and we all knew, TC understood what the things you had to do to get out of it. And uh, go, looking at Nuno's team now, and you, you say he's obviously been backed. It's a different time now. They've got yeah. so much money that of course he can be backed and of course he can bring in the players he wants to bring in. But what what they've done so well, what surprised me about the Wolves team when I played against them last season was just how resolute they were, 
how tough they were, how they got up when they when they were knocked down. Um, and you know, we made a point at Bolton. Let's make sure. Let's put them on the floor. Let's make sure they know they're it's going to be physical. And I'd say the players that a lot of the players Stoller brought in, a lot of a lot of foreigners to come, that, who come over here and play in the championship in their first season in England. It's tough. It's a rude awakening. And I think the difference in the players that Wolves have recruited now compared to the players, obviously, we, we brought in then, I don't think there was that toughness, that championship toughness. Just to finish, it's been fascinating talking to you, and there's loads more. I, I genuinely hope we can get you back on the programme um, further down the line. Just to finish it off, how do you want to be remembered for your time at Wolves? Because you are number 40 on the list of all-time appearance makers. You're, Is that right? You're very high up on that. How do you want to be remembered, your legacy at the club? I'd like to be remembered as as a local boy who, who captained his club in the Premier League to the Championship title. Local boy done good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to, to be remembered that way and... It's certainly, um, if people could erase what happened in that final year, that uh, <laughs> that would also be nice. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's there's no doubt that, that that final year marred a good era. And I understand what you're saying with regards to that, that that's, people look back and that's what they remember. Um, and that's really disappointing for us because I think we, myself and the team, the squad, we did a lot of good during that time. And... Um, I hope one day we, not just myself, but the the players and Mick and TC are given the credit. The Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies, official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. Thanks for downloading the Old Gold Club podcast. For more great content, check out rules.co.uk or follow at Rules on social media. Oh, and by the way, please support us by rating and reviewing our podcast on iTunes and Spotify.